which was the first real sound that had ever been transmitted to a human ear by electricity. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 4 of the Music Dissectors, recorded May 18th, 2017. I'm your host David Holloway and with me is my fellow co-host Matthew J.C. Powell. How are you Matthew? I'm not too bad. How are you David? Good. It's uh, We seem to be going through these at a rate of knots. I can't believe we're actually at episode 4. It's hard to believe. It feels like only three of them to me. <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah, you were there in spirit for, for episode two. <laughs> I, I was. You were. So, um, and I think we've gone. I, I think we've proven that we can go through the gamut of of music. So, I mean, last episode with Pete Wilson and and the Killers, and again, a huge thanks to Pete for joining us. It, it was a hell of a lot of fun. That uh, was we're, fun. We're going to something rather different this time. Um, you know, jumping back twenty five years and. Um, the Stooges and Raw Power, and I think it's fair to say, having done the interview, that it, it was a bit of an interesting one as well. I I thought so. I thought so. Yeah, a, a very different uh, music uh, to what we talked about last week. I mean, um, in, in in some ways, kind of kind of the opposite, where uh, where where the Killers, you saw so much of, you know, the influences that had. Uh, you know, fed into that music with uh, with raw power. Uh, what you see so much is the the uh, influences that have come off from it. Yes. Um, uh, although, uh, I mean, as 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 you'll you'll see when you when you hear the interview um, that uh, we we also sort of see uh the the interview uh, the, sorry the, not the interview the the influences feeding into raw power with the, with the doors with the rolling stones uh look i i, I don't know about you it, it had been a very long time since i'd heard raw power I, I i i last listened to it in the 80s and i was much younger then <laughs> i heard you were born very young as well i i was very young when i was born it was uh, surprising it actually made the papers um <laughs> But uh, yeah, listening to it again uh, in preparation for this, uh, coming at it with with fresh ears, perhaps more experienced ears, older, wiser, wizened, cynical, skeptical ears. Um, I was I was quite surprised by it. It was, it was quite a revelation to me. Um, almost almost like something entirely new. I mean, 
had had you listened to it a lot before? No, so it's funny you mentioned um, entirely new, and I, also as an aside, I think the Wizened Years would be a great name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, no, I had honestly hadn't listened to it um, before, so obviously aware of the the um, the presence that Iggy and the Stooges have in in rock music, but more aware of his latest stuff and his solo stuff. So it was a totally new experience to me, and yeah, um, as you'll hear, we. I think it's fair to say we both enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, quite, quite surprising. Because I got to say, I I didn't expect to. When, when you said to me, "Oh yeah, we're we're, we're doing uh, Iggy and the Stooges' Raw Power," next time I was like, "Oh, really?" Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I was partly <laughs> like that when um, our guest, and I'll, I'll talk about our guest Dave in a sec. Um, when it was suggested, it, it was one that stood out for me. Oh yeah, it would be a good one because it is an iconic album. But I was a bit, mm, yeah, not so sure. But I think what I've loved so much about this podcast so far is that it is doing albums that I haven't necessarily listened to. I've had to do the research, and it's been a, a revelation each time. Mm, mm. Uh, it, it, it has been. Uh, what, what you say there about uh, sort of being more familiar with Iggy's later, uh, more recent work is, and his solo work, w- w- one of the things that struck, stuck out to me with, uh, with Raw Power is... is how different his vocal is. You know, his his, his uh, vocal is much higher. Yeah, <laughs> uh, his, his his range is much higher on on, on this album. I, I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil the uh, the, the, the. Tell us about our guest. Yeah, so D- Dave Ketley, um, I've had the pleasure of uh, knowing only for a short time, but um, Dave's a, a Wollongong-based person like myself, uh, and is you know, myself as a a very, very part-time musician and Dave is, as a part-time musician but certainly working at a, a higher level. I mean, Dave's been the guitarist with uh, Radio Birdman now for a number of years. Uh, has, you know, uh, well, it's, I think, four, maybe five years. I can tell I didn't do my research on Radio Birdman, only on the Stoo- <laughs> Stooges. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, done a, a couple of European tours and, and they're, as you'll hear, they're about to go out on the road uh, in the capital cities of Australia. So, um, you know, I had a few really great musical discussions with Dave and um, hence the, the invite to join us. And so I was really pleased uh, when he chose the album he did. And, and like all of our guests to date, um, they've had a list of other albums they'd love to talk about. So expect to see Dave probably down the track at some stage. We've got quite a queue, Matthew, for guests. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, still no um, female. What was it last episode? What was the profession? Uh, f- female entomologist. Entomologist. That's right. We didn't get any complaints on police report either. That's good so far. And I do. I, I do just wish to reiterate my apologies to any uh, female entomologists who are affected. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably they'll probably just email me cockroaches or something. But now, as you'll hear, hear Dave's a, a bit of a. a a passionate fan of, of the Stooges for very legitimate reasons. Um, so, yeah, look, enjoy the very interview. Very knowledgeable. Yeah, very knowledgeable to say the least. So, yeah, in, enjoy the interview. Dave, thanks for joining us, mate. 
Look, no problem. Uh, pleasure to come over and chew the fat on the uh, one of my favourite albums. Yeah, look, and it's a, it's a bit of a different album from the one we've done in the first three um, episodes, uh, and I'm a, I'm a bit excited about it. I was actually not sure how uh, Matthew and I'd find it. I, I um, ha- be honest, I haven't done a lot of uh, listening to the Stooges. I, I'm one of those sad guys that grew up in the '80s um, and knew Iggy Pop mostly because of. Uh, Wild Child and the Rage theme, as sad as that is. Um, but it's, so it's nice to actually dig down a bit deeper. Um, and Matthew, I've got, to, I've got to address some stereotypes. I'd assumed, and this is a totally false assumption I've found out since, I'd assumed you mightn't like this album at all. Oh, no, 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 no. No, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, okay, so some things could be further from the truth. If you, if you were to say to me, Donald Trump is the greatest president of all time, that would be further from the truth. <laughs> um, but, uh, look, I, I, I can't say that I have ever been a huge fan of Iggy and the Stooges, uh, but, I mean, they're, they're straight hard rock. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, considerable overlap with my tastes in music, actually. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, had not listened to Raw Power probably since the 80s, um, before you asked me to listen to this again. Uh, so it's, it's almost like coming to it fresh. Uh, I listened to the, um, uh, the Legacy Edition version of it, which restores the uh, Bowie mixes. Uh, and yeah, it, I really quite enjoyed it. It's, uh, I, I, I found it much more um, classic rock sounding than I remember it sounding uh, in my youth, I think I, I think I think it was a little bit a uh, little bit of a shock to the system back then. But uh, no, it, it it seemed familiar to me now. All right. Well, let's maybe start with, and I had that on one of the key questions I wanted to cover with you, Dave, was the whole um, the mix issue. So I, I'll give a brief synopsis, and then you jump in and say where, where I've gone wrong. But <laughs> the, there's obviously the uh, original uh, recording was done by Iggy himself. And basically what he managed to do was bounce uh, everything but um, the vocals onto one track. I believe it was a 32-track tape machine. Um, and then the vocal onto the other. So he, he'd taken a 32-track machine and, and basically knocked everything into two tracks uh, with no real thought about the balance or, or quality of it. So uh, realised... Well, I don't know there was so much he realised, but uh, the record company guys went, yeah, that's not going to work so well. We need to get someone to come in and fix it. And as it happened, David Bowie was available uh, and spent a whole day, that's all it wow. was, a day uh, trying to fix that issue and coming up with what ended up being the the release. So have I got that basically right, Dave? Yeah, look, in a nutshell, I think that's pretty well right. Um, I, I'm not sure about the, the one-day thing um but uh you look you know i'm just really familiar with the fact that the album was you know it was going to die a certain death um as far as the record company was concerned anyway and they were trying to salvage i suppose what you know what was there um they thought you know bowie's touch would maybe do something to it that would uh make it a little bit more uh palatable for the public, but I, 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 from what I know, I don't think that was much of an issue 
from Iggy's perspective, that's for sure, because uh, I think, you know, at that time, things were, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd had sort of, you know, very limited success with Funhouse before that, and then that, that had sort of dissolved, and then, you know, he had this, this vision to, you know, make this music sound a lot tougher and a lot, you know, more harsh, and, um, you know, it was... You know, it was sounding very harsh. You know, it wasn't clear and it wasn't what people were after at that time, I suppose. So, you know, that was, um, you know, that would have been one of the reasons why Bowie was in there trying to do something to it to make it, you know, give it something that people would want to hear for sure. Yeah, no, and it, it, it's a good point about what, what he gave it. I mean, there, there are purists on, on some one side that say, look, the original mix and I know I think it was only in the last seven or eight years that the the Iggy mix has been released and I mean I listened to both for, for the show and I gotta say I still prefer the Bowie mix what, what's your take Dave and then Matthew as well look I from well probably from my teens when I first like late teens when I first heard Raw Power and to put this into perspective I was born in 1973 when the album came out um, it wasn't um, obviously something that I'd heard until, you know, in my late teens, um, along with a whole heap of other music, which was, you know, lots of people do lump together with the Stooges, all of the Radio Birdman and the Saints and the MC5 and, you know, all of those kinds of bands that are, I suppose, in a lineage from Detroit rock and I suppose some punk as well. Um you know, my my take on it was always I like the 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 original mixes, the ones that I first heard on vinyl. So that was that was my you know I've always loved that. But I was overseas in 1997 and I picked up um, a, a CD of Raw Power, which was when they first released the Iggy remixes. So when he must have got held hold of the, I think they were a four track master tape so all the drums and I think the bass on one track uh, I think vocals on another track and there was some percussion and keyboards on another track and they went through and they mixed it remixed it again by Iggy and there are things that I really do like about that though um, there's some uh, keyboard lines um, I think it's in uh, penetration at the beginning, a lot clearer and I really, really like some of the differences. But my heart is with the original Bowie mixes. That's what I like. Yeah. And Matthew? Yeah, look, I, I'm just thinking about it now. I, I wonder if, uh, in, in fact, what I remember hearing in the 80s was, in fact, Eggy's mixes. Um, and perhaps that's why sort of uh, listening to it again over the last uh, week or so uh, in preparation for this and, and listening to the Bowie mixes uh, and thinking, you know, this is a lot more accessible than I remember it being. Um, this is a, a lot more uh, classic sounding than I remember it being. I don't, I don't remember it. Uh, you know, I, I, what I remember was this is harsh. This is, this is kind of trying to scare me away and not, you know, stop, stop listening to my record. I'm like, uh, and, and, you know, that, that's not the experience that I had this time around. So I, I wonder if, in fact, um, 
what what I first heard when I heard the thing was uh, was the original Iggy mixes. Uh, would 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 they have been around? Um, you know, on the market in say about you know eighty seven, eighty eight. Uh, my, my understanding is no. But I, yeah, I'm no no purist. So I mean, if, if you're out there listening and you're a, a Stooges fan, let us know. But I, I, my understanding is, yeah, probably those late nineties. You talked about Dave was when they were really, I th- was the earliest that he'd gone in and actually um, committed to doing that. I I, I know that uh, Eggy's mixes were sort of circulated amongst fans um, almost from day one uh, as a kind of bootleg thing. Um, I'm I'm not sure that uh, what I originally heard would have been an official release. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there was there was Iggy's mixes um, that had been floating around um, and then there was the the legitimate record company remixes that were then released that I picked up in England in 97 and that was um, th- there's a there's a huge difference in in the actual uh, you know, bottom end of everything. It's been fully remixed and remastered. So you've got um, a thundering bottom end and some extra guitars that you can't, can hardly hear on the original Bowie mixes that make it really, it's a, a fatter, um, broader sounding recording. And like I said, with, with keyboards and things that are barely audible on the original record. So I think, yeah, I think, you're correct. The, the the Iggy mixes were around, but he remixed from okay. the master tapes in the mid to late nineties. Okay. So so yeah. the nerd the the nerdy boys just jumped on Wikipedia. So <laughs> ninety three, the ninety three a selection of the original mixes were released um, as Rough Power, but then the actual formal invitation by Columbia Records to Iggy to remix the entire album was ninety six, which is why you would have picked it up in ninety seven, Dave. Yep. Okay. Well, I I, I, right. I definitely would have heard it earlier than that. Uh, so, which mixes I remember from from my youth, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're doing well to remember any. So that's <laughs> no, I'm impressed. <laughs> but, 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 as I said, the, the the main recollection that I have was that it was it was not uh, it was not an easy listen. You know, it it it, it was um, aggressive aggressive and 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 uh, you know almost as if it was trying to sort of scare me away and 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 not listen to it whereas the the, the, the Bowie mixes don't have that <laughs> that that's what I loved about it that's uh, <laughs> look I think the Iggy mixes were that you might have heard yeah probably even the Bowie mixes the songs are like a, a punch in the head um, the guitars are just you know, so toppy and and blisteringly loud in the mix. You know, the first when Search and Destroy. You know, S- Search and off. Destroy is a hell of an opening, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's it's like there's this guitars that jump out of out of the speakers at you, and um, you know, if you have a you know, you listen to it and you hear that the the drums are lo-fi and just thumping away. It's like a primal thing in the background with the drums. You can sort of hear cymbals smashing around here and there. But the attack is all in the guitars and then Iggy's vocal over the top and it's just... The one who searches and destroys Somebody gotta help me, please Somebody gotta save my soul 
You know, it was like when I first heard that, I thought, this is what a lot of other bands are trying to do. You know, I remember hearing things like Sonic Reducer by the Dead Boys going, yep, that's what they're trying to do with this. And then, I was, you know, you listen to the guitars that come in that James Williamson plays in, uh, in Raw Power and I hear, you know, um, Keith Richards' solo in, um, you know, Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones and you're looking at tonal qualities from that kind of thing as well. Danger. That's, you know, that's what I love about it. It's dangerous music. And th- that's one of the most interesting things about this album for me as, as someone that came to it relatively recently is you, you write about that, the opening. And, and interestingly, that's the one song that uh, Bowie didn't mix. So he mixed all but Search and Destroy, which is why it's a hell of an opener. It stands out a, a mile. And then you go to something like Give Me Danger, which absolutely you know reeks of the doors from my viewpoint and i don't mean that in a negative way um with you know bowie's hands all over it it's just it's such a massive contrast you're a danger little stranger and i'll feel you are being give me danger little stranger and i'll feel your disease Nothing in my dream, just some ugly memories. Kiss me like the ocean breeze. Now, if you will be my lover, I will shoot the and sand. But if you can be my master, I will do. understanding is the ballads were somewhat inflicted on the Stooges as far as they weren't necessarily intended for that album. Well, my, my, my understanding well, is that the record company, uh, in, in sort of commissioning the album, they said we want a ballad per side. Uh, so yeah, so, so r- rather than that being something that Iggy had decided, oh yes, here, here's some ballads that I've got, it was actually the record company saying, okay, do what you want for most of the tracks, but one one song each side has to be a ballad, so we got I don't know something for radio air player, whatever. And give me danger is definitely a radio song. Um, I actually th- love the fact that I- Iggy was probably taking the piss a bit with the other ballad being I need somebody because it doesn't feel like much of a ballad. It is compared to some of the other stuff, but ballad's probably not the right word for it. I just laugh when I hear ballad, you know, w- with the Stooges because. I suppose if they if if that's what the record company wanted, I mean, to me these things they don't sound like ballads, you know. I I there's still this dark, sort of sinister element to to what they're doing. So, you know, I, I think um, yeah, in a twisted kind of way, maybe you could you could 
derive a, a ballad from it, but uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy when you think that that um, you know record company wants a ballad per side, and and that's what that's what they get. That that just cracks me right up. <laughs> and for me, I mean, am I the only one? I can't imagine I am that. Iggy nearly is is channeling um, Jim Morrison there. He's particularly in that that early part. He really does sound like he's he's done a Doors song, and a Doors song that they'd be proud of. There are certainly some tracks on the album where I where I hear him channeling Jim Morrison a bit. But in, in on on Give Me Danger, I'm actually he- hearing Mick Jagger. Now it 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 may be that I'm kind of superimposing that because the 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 title makes me think of Gimme Shelter. Um, and and the guitar sounds a little bit Keith Richardsy, so maybe I'm just sort of subconsciously at some level trying to trying to find the bits that sound like uh, Mick Jagger in that vocal, but it does have a little bit wow wow a, a little bit of sort of uh, Jaggerish tonality to it to my ear. Yeah, I think Iggy has that. You know, he uses his voice in different ways through those first three Stooges albums. Um, he has that sort of squeezed voice that he uses. He has his more crooning voice that he uses on some things and he mixes it up on some things. And, you know, that, yeah. that uh, you know, I love the guy's it's, voice. It's a very it's, impressive it's voice. Awesome, awesome voice, you know. And he can shout and, and you know, scream and he can do everything, you know. Yeah. He's... It's way, way, way cool. But um, <laughs> I think um, the, the the gimme danger thing, you know, I, I suppose there is a Doors element. And, and when you listen back to the first Stooges album too, there's things in there that, um, you know, it's that, that 60s, you know, uh, fuzzed out kind of thing and they've got, you know, elements of a lot of that music and, you know, I suppose... Velvet Underground, I'm thinking Velvets mm-hmm. as well. Um, but, you know, definitely, you know, if it, I'm not sure how accessible they were trying to make it, so I'm, I'm not sure whether there was any, you know, attempt to sound like The Doors. I reckon it probably just came out like that. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a de- deliberate sort of thing. No. And, and you're, you're onto something interesting there, Dave, with the Velvet Underground thing because... Um, Purely based on me watching the the Stooges documentary, um, Give Me Danger, uh, that it, it's Nico, isn't it, from Velvet Underground? Yeah. Or the, the artist. She she was heavily involved with the Stooges there at one stage, just yeah, sort of as an, an outside influence. Yeah. 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 So he had some sort of relationships with her, and yeah. um, I mean, they, they were all yeah, part of the same milieu at the time, weren't they? Sort of moving the same circles. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. They were they were moving in the same circles, taking the same drugs, going <laughs> to the same parties. So it was all <laughs> happening. It was, um, and the the, the MC Five were the other group that they had a lot to do with in the early days. Um, and yeah, you can imagine some of the stuff they got up to. But I, I am rather glad they got away from the name, the Psychedelic Stooges, and just changed and moved to just the Stooges because that's a god awful name, the Psychedelic Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh look, I don't mind it, but the Stooges is definitely better. <laughs> Although I didn't mind their predecessor, which I don't think they actually ever uh, even played much under the name, but it was their sort of alleged band name before the they Prime really came Movers. 
Oh, yeah, the prime mover, and also the Dirty Shames. I quite oh, I like, like that. that name. That's the good. Dirty Shames. That's good. good. Yep, yep, that's good. And then before that was uh, Iggy had his band, the Iguanas, and he was the drummer, drummer, singer, and so, yeah, he's been kicking on for a while. And that's one thing a lot of people, the more casual observer of, of Iggy in particular, is that you assume he's just this really full-on powerhouse of a front man, but he's actually quite a musician and he's, he's a hell of a drummer. Mm. Um, and he just decided that, you know, not right into the drumming, I want to move it out front and, yeah, he's done an amazing job. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I've got this uh, VCR tape at home that has an Iggy Pop documentary on it and uh, I actually haven't seen Gimme Danger yet, but uh, I'm sure some of the same footage will be on there, but... There's some great interviews that are done in, uh, you know, in France, Germany and Belgium from the 80s and Iggy talks about his influences and what, what made him want to be the performer that he became. And uh, a lot of the things were from when he saw, um, you know, in Chicago, when he saw the, the, the romp and stomp and blues guys in the bars, uh, in these sweaty little bars and they were just moving and, and, and grooving and just sort of immersing themselves in the music in this just amazing, like a ritualistic kind of behaviour. And he, he saw that and, and thought, that's, that's what I want to do. You know, that's, that's what I want to do. And, and, and was able to, to take on, um, you know, the, the Iggy Pop kind of persona writhing around. And um, I think in one of the interviews he describes it as like he... he saw that he felt like that the the music and the energy was like dripping off them like honey you know it's really interesting the way he he describes these things and the kind of images that he uses in these interviews it's really cool yeah it's it's interesting uh coming to this again uh after such a long time of of not having listened to it uh that you know you you think of it as sort of okay th- this is the 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 early days of punk um, and I think most people associate Iggy Pop pretty solidly with punk, but the musicianship is actually of a quite high standard uh, in in the guitaring, uh, in 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 bass, in the drums, uh, and of course in in Iggy's vocals. The um, you know if you, if you think of sort of punk, the you know Sex Pistols or or, or Johnny Lydon and you know that sort of punk scene, uh, there's a kind of disregard for uh, disciplined musicianship. Um, where with raw power, there's perhaps a disregard for norms of musicianship. Uh, it's, it's not trying to be tidy or well-balanced or, or you know, uh, pleasant to listen to, but the actual quality of the playing is actually very high, which really surprised me. Yeah, and it was only until I watched the documentary that essentially they realised that they weren't up to scratch after spending a bit of time with bands like the MC5 and, as you mentioned, Dave, seeing a lot of blues musicians and, and Iggy in particular realising we really need to lift our game, and they did. They applied the discipline. Yeah, I've, have you heard the outtakes from, you know, Funhouse and the other albums? There's, there's, there's so many outtakes of, uh, like, different versions of songs that didn't end up on the albums, and... Uh, a lot of them are nearly identical. I mean, these guys must have just hammered out, you know, 10 and 15 sometimes versions of some of these songs that ended up on the record and 
there was probably only little little things in them that uh, you know made them not uh, you know be the one that got chosen. But you could tell these guys these guys were you know fantastic at doing what they were doing. I mean, get them to play, you know, ask them to play some cheesy pop kind of stuff, and they'd probably go, yeah, I could do it, but you know, I probably wouldn't have the um, heart, the kind of clean, cleanliness. <laughs> And hygiene of of what you know session musos would do, but I mean, you know that that's not what they were about. You know they were creating something which, you know, to me, actually changed rock music. Um, it, it, it made it, you know, it, and quite a bit after the fact, it changed things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you talked about influences before. Being 1973, the, a lot of water's passed under the bridge. The, these guys have had a lot of influences on bands that have come since. But w- what would you, if you had to frame up Raw Power and its influence on rock music between then and now, I mean, how seminal is it? Uh, I think, um, you know, I, I think about, of, of course, the punk scene probably in that mid-70s the people who were already into the Stooges, which, you know, in those days, from what I can tell, and even talking to, to, to guys that I play with who were, you know, discovering those albums when they came out, n- no one knew them. You know, like, like in, in Australia, no, nobody no- knew who the Stooges were. It was bands like Radio Birdman um, that, that brought the Stooges and their music into into our population no there was no radio play you know people might have bought it on record clubs and things like that and they were brought over from the states but as far as that you know they were non-existent um i think in the in the maybe in england maybe more well known just due to the population and the the whole bowie uh link um but you know definitely you mentioned the sex pistols before you got you know bands like the sex pistols and the clash um, and then, you know, some of those uh, bands like, like I mentioned before, the Dead Boys, um, um, you know, of course, Australian bands like the Saints and that as well, they would have, you know, listened to all that stuff and gone, you know, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to make a noise, something like that, because it's, it's a noise, but it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful noise because... Um, you know, it's it's created, it's like this big swirl of, you know, mayhem at times, but then there's this kind of beauty in it that, you know, comes through. And I, I suppose not everyone hears that. So, you know, I hear it. That's the main thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, and just speaking briefly of Birdman, I mean, they formed the year after this album was released. I mean, without speaking on behalf of the others, Dave, is, but is it fair to say that, um, the Stooges were definitely an influence on Birdman. Oh, definitely, definitely. Look, you know, um, the 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 first uh, LP, Radios Appear. Uh, it has uh, it's got on on the back cover is albums dedicated to the Stooges. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> see, if I was if I knew enough, I would have wouldn't have had to have asked <laughs> that question. Well, you wouldn't have had to have asked it, but uh, it's and also they 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 so they cover um, TVI. Which is uh, from the Funhouse album, uh, Radio Birdman covered TVI uh, a lot in the early days. They covered, 
Oh, they covered Search and Destroy. They covered 1970. They covered a lot of Stooges songs. And, uh, you know, so it, it made up um, their set, actually, quite a few covers in that, in that 74 into 75 period. So there was yeah, everything from The Doors, Stooges, uh, some early Alice Cooper... So drawing on that, that you know, it's 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 guitar rock, it's rock and roll. Yeah, and and so any Radio Birdman fans out there that are listening to this, you you're quite right to shake your head at me. I I do hang my head in shame. <laughs> you can't know everything. You cannot know everything, Dave. Don't beat yourself up over it. Whereas you want to know more about Pseudo Echo, I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to know more about. Well, I'll pick your I'll pick your brain over that later. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, and so it probably makes my next question a bit redundant too. In that, you know, you get the call that on the next tour, whether it's with Birdman or New Christ or wherever, that you're going to play one song off Raw Power. Um, what song are you hoping that's been chosen? Oh, that's really hard. Mm. Mm. Let me think. You know, I think Search and Destroy has been done to death. I've played it many a times in bands. Um, I would probably say... I'd say, actually, the track Raw Power. Because I haven't really played that song in a band before. I've played lots of Stooges songs, but, you know, I, I, I just love that song. How does, how does an audience react when, when, you're, when you're playing one of the songs off of here? How does, how does, what's the sort of vibe that you get playing it to an audience? What, playing like a, a, a song like that? Well, like, a Stooges like a Stooges song. Say, say, say even Search and Destroy, which, as you say, has been, been done to death. But people know it. The, 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 the crowd's going to yeah. know what you do. Oh, he's doing Iggy. You know, what, what, what's the vibe, what's the energy that you get from, from an audience playing something from this? Uh, people usually smile, actually. <laughs> they usually get that, the smile, and you've usually got a few people writhing around up the front when you play Stooges songs. You know, I, I, I suppose the thing is, the bands that, that I play in, um, even though they might not sound just like the Stooges, uh, it, it draws on high-energy music. It's, mm. it's high-energy rock and roll music. So people are there to hear that kind of music. So, y y you know, you can fit something like that into a set and, you know, a song like Raw Power would fit in, you know, very easily into the bands I play in. So, and, and, I, I, and you know, in Radio Birdman, we've covered, you know, like I said before, TVI on the last tour. We've done Loose from 1970. Um... You know, yeah. 
put put down on the street into things as well. So you know, it's 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 not out of place. So there's never any shock value. But people, um, you know, w- when you cover a song, it's often like a little treat for people. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of it's like sometimes it's expected, but sometimes it's not expected. So it's that added little, you know, it's like a little like one of those liver treats that you give dogs when they're doing the right <laughs> thing. But, but uh, I suppose the, the, the audiences don't then expect you to sort of do an Iggy-style performance because he's, he's, he's quite a, um, no. let's, let's say, unique performer. You're, you're not expected to drop your pants and throw peanut butter at people or anything. No, that's right. No, yeah. no. no. <laughs> um, you know, like, and I think that's, I think you've, you've kind of hit on a good point there. No, you, you don't want to go and copy, no. you know, and try and be Iggy Pop because... There's only one person who can do that, and he, and he does it try. so well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that's he is Iggy Pop, you know. And I and I, and I get that, um, you know. There's there's people who ha, you know have taken you know stylistic points from him, and I and I know um, uh, the guy, the lead singer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. Anthony mm-hmm. Kiedis. Anthony Kiedis. I've seen. Many a picture of him looking very Iggy esque, um, especially from maybe like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, even though you might be, you know, styling yourself on somebody else, you know what? It's, it's not a bad style to have if no. you can pull it off. Yeah. So, you know, shirtless, writhing around, you know, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, and for, from this, for what it's worth, from the pseudo echo loving keyboard player in a covers band, I'd kill to play Penetration and maybe Shake Appeal. They were the two I was tossing up between. Oh, yeah, Shake Appeal's fantastic. Penetration's fantastic. And yeah, like, you know, if, of course, like the, the, the keyboard player would get a bit of a treat playing that, that, that really cool line. Actually, the, uh, just for the for the the fun of it, I think it'd be a really really cool thing to come out and just play "Death Trip," the last song on the album. <laughs> it would just be mayhem because you could just turn it into whatever you liked, and it, it would just be loud and raucous and a lot of fun to play. Maybe not a lot of fun to watch for some people, but it would be a lot of fun to play. It'd be it'd be like playing. Um, a uh, song called L.A. Blues from 1970, the Stooges album. It's basically just a massive jam with saxophone and, you know, just wailing guitars and Iggy just making a whole heap of noises, you know. Yeah. How did they get away with it on a, on a major label? That's I, – I, I don't get it, but they did. Probably because the execs didn't listen right through to the end. <laughs> 
possibly. Well, I, su- I suppose, you know, 69 into 70, there was, um, you know, the, the, the psychedelic movement was still happening, but the Stooges were, were, were moving away from that kind of, definitely away from the hippie thing, and the music was harder and angrier and... Uh, and, and, and dark and sinister. And, and, you know, you've just got to look up um, the, the, the footage of the, um, at the Cincinnati Pop Festival. It's a really, really cool thing to look up. And I'm wondering, um, I haven't seen the doco yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that there's a bit on that in there, Dave. Am I right? Where he's, where he's got the peanut butter out and he's walking mm-hmm. across the crowd. And they were on, yes. they were, he, was, he was tripping on LSD and and whatever else and and he thought he was um he could just walk across the top of the people and he did and someone someone just handed him this huge tin of peanut butter or jar of peanut butter so he just started smearing it and you know what 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 a classic classic uh you know scenario it's one of the coolest things i've ever seen not that i was there and 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 yet <laughs> if if you were there you you'd come home and like, well, I'm going to have to wash this peanut butter off myself now. Yeah, don't, well, don't, exactly. don't ask. Fling, flinging it around, <laughs> yeah. Or would you? <laughs> well, it would start yeah, to smell not, after a not. while. I do like peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, I mean, he, he, I'd argue he's one of the you know, greatest front men of all time. Um, and as you said, he's had influences on, on others since. But the, what amazes me most is he's still going. Yes. And and at the I, I mean probably not exactly the same levels of energy, but I mean from what I, I gather from you know recentish shows, he's still putting in a hell of an effort. Oh look, I I'm you know being a fan, I've got you know uh, stuff that he's done in the last few years. I got post pop depression, the one that he does with Josh Hom from Queens of the Stone Age, and that's more of a, a laid back album and it's kind of like um it's more in the vein of like things like the idiot and uh i actually bought the the dvd of the concert at the royal albert hall and um it's it's really really worth watching if you're you know a fan of good rock music you know he he, he puts on a fantastic performance a guy's like 70 years old he's got this cracking band behind him and he's playing um, he doesn't do any Stooges stuff. It's actually all his solo stuff plus the latest stuff that he did with those guys. You know, you've got the drummer from the Arctic Monkeys, guys from Queens of the Stone Age and a few other people. And it's, 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 it's really, really great, you know, in a performance sense. And the songs, you know, the solo stuff post the Stooges, so strong. And I mean, and the reality, sad reality, is that it's all solo stuff now. And that, uh, I mean, they've been very upfront that given that there's only Iggy and, and uh, Williamson on guitar left, that the Ashton brothers have both died, um, that there are no Stooges anymore. As Williamson himself said, there's no point saying Iggy and the Stooges when there's only one left. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, uh, it's bringing up James is a really, really good point. Dave, because um, he's James is really active. He he's doing he he's always doing something. You know, he's done uh, he's re uh, re recorded some of the the um, post raw power Stooges stuff. Like so, from the Kill City '74 uh, sessions, 
when when after raw power the band sort of uh, you know dissolved um, and they got other guys in Iggy and James Williamson recorded a whole heap of stuff which and there's some really really fantastic stuff on there which you know if you get a chance to listen to or play stuff like uh, Johanna Kill City I Got a Right um, I'm Sick of You songs like that Cock in My Pocket that's another one and another classic uh, Iggy song you know these guys recorded that you know post Stooges and it's it's really strong as far as uh, songs go it's really really fantastic actually and James is still doing a lot of stuff now he's just actually uh, did uh, uh, an acoustic um, some acoustic stuff with Dennis Tech from Birdman um, with orchestras and things they've done um, acoustic KO it's called so they've recorded you know some of the things that James did back in the seventies with Iggy as uh, one one called Night Theme, um, well worth looking up. You know these guys, they know what they're doing. They're, they've they've got their their craft, and uh, yeah. you know I'm just so great to actually um, to to see that they're still doing it and actually leaving a lot of young bands for dead, honestly. Actually, one one little thing, just just while we're mentioning uh, uh, James Williamson, <coughs> so just, just in 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 my other life as a tech journalist, uh, I don't know if you're if you're aware that uh, James Williamson is actually quite a significant uh, figure in the technology industry. Um, yes, you know, yes, ha- I am. Ha- having worked for quite quite some time for uh, AMD designing uh, chips, uh, d- oh, d- really? d- designing processors there. And uh, he also had a career, uh, a stage of his career at Sony, uh, where he was um, one of the people responsible for technical standards and uh, is one of the people primarily responsible for codifying the Blu-ray disc standard. So <laughs> that's amazing. That's a little footnote to his career that uh, you might you might miss, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, 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 it is it is the same James Williamson. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and, and and he sort of, you know, after after the music stuff in the seventies, and then he went into that world, and then, you know, emerged again. Um, you, you know, when when Ron Ashton passed away, um, and the Stooges still had, uh, you know, tours booked ahead, so James basically came out of retirement, and you know. S- Strapped the guitar back on and off he went. It was it's quite amazing actually. Mm. I saw I saw the the reformed Stooges um, with uh, Scott and Ron Ashton, um, and they had a guy named Mike Watt from uh, the Minutemen. Okay, playing guitar. Oh, sorry, playing bass guitar. Um, at a big day out, and then I a few years later saw them come out and do the raw power stuff with uh williamson and you know just blew me away blew me away was that the horden i saw him at the horden pavilion it was they just they smashed, just smashed it. it and i'd argue there's not a better venue if you're going to see that the, is there a better venue than the horden to see it i doubt it i doubt it i think the enmore is way too classy for that <laughs> no i'm just joking <laughs> I, I no, I, I actually I think it was just you know um, it was just so powerful and uh, you know everyone everyone there just loved it. Iggy was 
able to just whip whip everyone up into a frenzy. It was people writhing and sweating everywhere, and that that's that's what a Stooges concert's all about. And Matthew, I, I feel bad I didn't ask you fa- favorite song if you can pick one off the album. Whew. It, it, it's a tough one, um, but uh, for, for me, uh, I, I Need Somebody is, is the, the song that I really liked. Uh, coming back to it, it's the, it's the one that I, I kept sort of, yeah, I'll listen to that one again. Uh, just, I don't know, something about it, the, the, the sort of classic rock groove to it, I liked. And it shows you what a strong album it is in that we've all picked pretty much different songs and there's still a few of them left that are more than worthy of mention. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just, just come back to a point that we were talking about earlier where, where you were talking about, uh, you know, what song would you perform live? Uh, and you, and you, you mentioned, you know, maybe you'd do Death Trip. Um, and and that was that's, that's the one where listening to that on the album, you, you're thinking... This really does not work as an album track, but it would probably be great live, you know. Being there in the audience with the band just going off for you know six seven minutes on on a jam and 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 Iggy just going crazy that would probably be quite an interesting live spontaneous experience to be there for. But it's uh, it tries the patience as an album track, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it was designed to from from uh, you know things that I've read. Uh, that was even even the um, the the name was symbolic of, yep. This is this is basically uh, commercial suicide. <laughs> that was that was the the gist that that I've gotten from things that I've read, and that is like, you know, the the record company had already said, you know, this this is not going to work, so they went well, stuff it. Um, <laughs> I don't care, you know. This is the kind of music we want to make, and uh, and and you know, so be it. And they just made it even nastier, um, you know, because I think at that time the 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 record company had already said, you know, Funhouse didn't sell, you know. So how's this going to sell? And I think Iggy just said, well, you know, this this is what we want to do. And he, he had total belief in the music, but he didn't have belief that it was going to you know sell and you know um be successful in a commercial sense but i uh, and from what i can tell he didn't really care at that stage mm. i could i could be wrong i could be wrong but well i think he was pretty 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 heavily involved in drugs by that stage so it's, it's quite quite likely he didn't really care yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe his judgment was maybe a little bit impaired. You know, hazy. Yeah, and I feel like as tacky as it is, I've got to mention uh, from an Australian context for our local listeners the infamous infamous countdown appearance uh, by Iggy, and obviously that that wasn't the Stooges, was it? it was just Iggy on his own. That's right. Um, I mean, he was, I assume, off his chops then, or or he was doing one of the, his most brilliant, you know, taking the piss personas where he just wanted Molly to totally not understand where he was coming from. 
Yeah, I, I look, I remember um, just, I, I, I can't remember whether I saw it because I used to watch Countdown and I can't remember whether I saw it th- when it was actually on or just like everyone else. Well, like what, what, One of the countless later. times it's been rerun, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know, I was I was a Countdown kid, so I, I probably did see. I watched Countdown religiously, but you know, I reckon there was everyone out there in 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 households across Australia would have just been, you know, gobsmacked and going, look, looking at each other, saying, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> you know, like this this guy is crazy, and uh, you know, probably there would have been some, um, you know, substances involved. But it was also what, what, you know, Dave, what you were probably, you know, pointing out is that he can actually, um, he goes into different characters and on some of the docos that I've seen, he, he talks about the different personas that he has. He has his, his more, um, you know, reserved Iggy and then he has his really gregarious Iggy and he even has like a bit of a different voice and everything for it. And you can see that in that interview. He's he's he might be you know um, you know out of it, Iggy, but he's still he's got this persona where he's just really really like an ADHD you know adult. He's he's can't sit still. He's moving around everywhere, and uh, you know he's he's actually in a way it's like a performance when you look at it. Absolutely. I just I wish time travel was a reality so I could just go and spend half an hour standing in the audience watching all those kids that were there to happily dance to something like the Bay City Rollers <laughs> and then having him him come out and seeing the reaction. Just would have killed to have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was um he does I'm bored. I'm pretty sure it's I'm Yeah, bored. that's right. Ah, oh, those were the days. Um so I mean Anything else we want to talk about uh, Raw Power? I mean, I think we're all in agreement to, you know, seminal album, um, you know, end-to-end power, lots of um, contrasts in it, um, very listenable from start to finish. If if you actually go to your Spotify's, and I'll link to this in the show notes, they've got lots of the Legacy Edition actually has live versions of all the songs as well or nearly all of the songs. So it's, it's a really great listen. And if you get a chance for the documentary, Give Me Danger... As well, well, well worth a watch. Yeah, a um, L- little bit bittersweet at the end there of the doco because it it includes interview footage with uh, all of the you know at the time surviving members of the Stooges, but sort of as the credits roll, it's like okay, this one died in two thousand four, this one died two thousand fifteen. Uh, it's uh, it, it it gets a little emotionally yeah. heavy as as the credits roll. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, I haven't actually seen it yet. Um, uh, Still waiting to see it, but um, don't want to spoil it for you. That they they all die. No, no, no. Look, well, I do know they passed away, so you're not spoiling that for me. That's okay. Um, (laughs) But uh, as far as um, you know, looking at it as a whole album, you know, I just think it really um, its lack of success in the in the early days um, was kind of like. You know, it, it was evident that that somehow, you know, not everything comes back, and then people cite it as as mm. greatness, you know. But this has, yeah. So there's been there's a lot of crap that doesn't succeed, and there's a lot of crap that does succeed, I suppose. Um, but but this is something that I think, you know, as far as a a, a, a rock rock and roll point of view. Um, 
not in the traditional sense, but in, you know, being experimental, being, um, you know, at the forefront and trying to do something that even that they knew wasn't going to be popular, but just to create something that was, you know, different to whatever, uh, you know, what was happening at the time. I think it's just, you know, it, it really is a masterpiece. It's certainly something that's been picked up by a lot of other musicians. And as you say, it's been, it's been cited as an influence by so many uh, musicians that came after it. Uh, that I, I think that's what's sort of given it, uh, you know, given it legs, as they say. You know, it, 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 yeah. it, it's hung around and, because um, so many people have come back and said, you know, if you want to know where we come from, you know, raw power is a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, you know, I would highly recommend uh, if if you can find, you know, they're very hard to find, they're very expensive, but a, 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 an original cut, original pressing of it on vinyl um, sounds the way it's supposed to sound, you know, on a good record player with a big set of speakers turned up loud. It, it sounds better than anything you can hear in the digital world. So, you know, even the, some of the... I've, I've got a, a, a repress of it from maybe 10, 10 or 15 years ago on a, on, a, on a heavy vinyl and it sounds really good, but uh, it doesn't quite sound as good as what the original uh, Bowie mixes sound on, on the original vinyl. So, you know, if you're lucky enough to come across one of those, you, you know, snap it up. Yeah. I'm not sure how much they are these days. But, you know, it does sound better on vinyl. It was the way it was intended. Well, I, I, I think that's probably actually a really good point because, I mean, something that's, uh, as, as we were saying, I think before we started recording, we were, we were talking about this as an album that's sort of, you know, all the dials are over in the red so much of the time. And that's the stuff that gets clipped by digital. That's the stuff that you, yeah. you, you lose when, when, when you convert it to digital and put it out on CD or put it out on a download. So I think, you know, f- probably for this album more so than most, uh, there really is something on the vinyl that isn't there um, when, when you download it or when you get it on a CD. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, the technology and the, you know, algorithms and all that stuff have improved out of sight since when this came out on CD. Um, so, you know, things things do sound warmer now than what they did when the CDs were first coming out of this. But, um, you know, you still it still doesn't sound as good as it does on the record. But, um, look, you know, uh, maybe, maybe James Williamson was uh, involved in the uh, standards, you know, if that's what... He, was he doing that? <laughs> was that what he was doing? The, the, uh, the, the standards of what was... Digital standards? No, he, he, he was, he was uh, most responsible for Blu-ray, but uh, he, look, he, he may... Ah, he, right. He, but, I mean, he was, he was with Sony, so he was probably doing Sony uh, compression standards. None of them are any good, so nobody, nobody uses them. Uh, yeah, them. okay. Yeah, well... And it's, a, it's a good discussion in the week that MP3s officially died as a standard. It has not officially died. The, the patents have expired. I, it's free to use for everybody. You can't license it anymore oh, wow. because there's no patent on it. It hasn't died. Ay 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 ay. I actually, I actually I read so, so I read somebody's comment on the on the Gizmodo story about how MP3s did. Somebody said, "Oh, do I have to re-rip all my CDs now?" Like, what the? <laughs> oh, really? MP3 yeah. is not dead. It's it's public oh, it domain might... now. It's more alive That's than right. it, it ever was. <laughs> It won't go anywhere for probably another 10, 20 years. It's more that you won't have people 
developing for it anymore. Not that you require any development for it. But I'm impressed we got four episodes in, Matthew, before you picked me up on something. <laughs> uh, I've been very restrained. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have been. <laughs> Dave, I mean, I think that's brilliant. I, I, you know, you've converted me to the Stooges in a big way. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot more listening over the coming months. And, uh, yeah, look, and you, you may hate this analogy, but, uh, I mean, if you're out there and you, particularly if you're Australia-based and you want to hear some some real raw power i mean you need to catch dave and radio birdman playing what over the next couple of months or just uh, through Jul- june and july isn't it yeah no we're, we're in june we're touring we're doing uh uh just capital cities in june so sydney at the enmore 16th of june and then we do uh perth on the 17th and then the following weekend we've got uh i think it's um Brisbane Friday, Adelaide Sunday, and then the following weekend we got a double two nights in Melbourne at the Croxton Park Hotel. So it's it's uh, six shows all up. Wow! So a nice short tour, and uh, it should be good. And that's a double double header with uh, the fantastic Died Pretty. Yeah, that's a hell of a double header. Double header. So, Dave, appreciate it a lot. Um, yeah, thank you. And um, I know, I think we'd mentioned last episode, uh, Pete had a, a whole bunch of albums that he, he was keen to discuss and this was but one of an amazing list you put forward. So you never know, down the track, we'd love to have you back and oh, talk yeah, about another one. I'd come back anytime. Thanks for having me and uh, thanks for letting me waffle on about things I like talking about. It was a pleasure. That's what, that's what we're about. It's been great fun. Yeah, and uh, I could be totally wrong, so, yeah. <laughs> Don't hold me to anything. <laughs> I, how can you be wrong about music? As, uh, look, okay, if you, if you, if you say R- R- Rick Astley's really good, okay, you're wrong about that. But uh, Yeah, well, you know, it depends who you are, really. <laughs> I, look, I, I imagine he is good. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Okay, so there we have it. And um, I I know what I'm wanting to do, Matthew, is just basically get offline, get on my keyboard and and start playing the keyboard line from Penetration. How about you? Uh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to the whole album through just one more time uh, because it's it's been uh, a bit of a reunion, a bit of a reunion for me. Um, And I I don't know whether I'm going to listen to it. I, I, I don't know that... Raw Power is going to become a high rotation thing on my uh, uh, iTunes playlist, but uh, it's it's been a welcome return to uh, a, a welcome second look, shall we say? Yeah, agreed, and a welcome first look for me. But yeah, look, really enjoyed it, and I think I mentioned before I, I love this podcast for the fact that we never know what we're going to be dealing with, and it's nice to just actually listen to albums from start to finish. Uh, uh, people complain it's a dying art, and it, it is to some extent. So I, lo- I love being forced yeah. to do it. And, and uh, actually, that's that's one thing that I, I would like to just mention, um, since our esteemed guest did mention that if you can get raw power on vinyl, uh, you should try to. Now, uh, there was actually it was re-released on vinyl in 2012 uh, for Record Store Day. 
Ah. Um, which was actually a two LP set uh, containing both the David Bowie mixes and the Iggy Pop mix. Oh, I see, I like that. Uh, so that I think would be a thing worth finding. It it will be expensive if you can find it, um, but it's out there, uh, and I would I would probably be very interested to hear that myself because. Um, yeah, as I said, I don't even, I don't even remember what mixes I was listening to, uh, in the eighties. Uh, and all I've got now, of course, is, uh, digital downloads. So I would, I would be very intrigued to follow up on that tip and, uh, see if I can get my hands on a vinyl copy of it just to hear it. I did have a look, quick look on eBay. So you can pick up those it, sort of ones for 50, 60, $70. I, I couldn't find an original pressing on ebay which tells me that a they're hard to get because you usually can find most things um but i imagine that would be in the many hundreds of dollars quite likely yes so no again good good episode if i do say so myself and you do (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah as always if you'd like to offer an opinion suggestion or even offer yourself up as a guest and uh we're still very much looking for guests um to review an album you love feel free to email us at contact at themusicweek.net or visit our increasingly popular facebook page facebook.com forward slash music dissectors um, you'll find previous episodes of the show on iTunes and we're also on Stitcher and TuneIn and obviously all episodes are on our website as well. You can listen to them directly there. So thanks as always for listening and again, thank you, Matthew. Much appreciated. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we will be back in a few weeks with episode five. Uh, we've got, uh, as I mentioned, a bit of a queue of, of guests. Um, we're not, we haven't quite finalised which album and guests it will be, but we do know that there's one on the way. So the- what, what, what album? What album was it that Bono wanted us to listen to? Oh, sorry, I wasn't wasn't going to mention that, was I? <laughs> that was that's a total surprise. No. He can't sing. <laughs> Actually, yeah, but he can, he can talk about other people's records, can't he? That's, oh, look, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even. I'm, I'm sure he knows people who can sing. See, I'd rather have the edge on to talk about an album. That'd be more interesting. Maybe. 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 So, Edge, what's what's your favorite guitar effect? Oh, I, I, I do like Echo. I do like Echo. <laughs> oh, you're harsh. So harsh. <laughs> they do a mean backdrop. I've just seen some pictures because they've started their Joshua Tree tour in, in the US. I, I, I've seen some images from, from the the Joshua Tree opener uh, in Vancouver, yeah, that and that, that, it does look like a heck of a show. Yeah, it looks spectacular. So no, nobody can say that Bono is not a showman. No, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. he, he, he is that. <laughs> he, he is definitely that. So, you know, look, thank you again. And um, in the meantime, everyone, find a new album to love. Good night. Good night.